All righty. So uh, tonight we'll pick it up where we left off on uh, last week. Uh, we were on, uh, we're up to Lamatzech. We did Ashrei after, uh, after Shmon Esrei, after ta- uh, Shmon Esrei and Tachman. So now we're up to Lamatzech. So this is the, oh, I should share screen. That'll help you be able to follow what I am saying. Does that work for you? There it is. Yes. Oh, amazing. Okay. Good Okay. So uh, there's a few things on the on the which uh, which which are interesting over here. So the first one is, um, so he says. So this is from Rabbi Yehuda ben Yakar, and he writes as follows. And this is something I, I had never. Again, these are one of these things where it's like you, you have to be counting things, you have to be keeping track of things, which I'm too, I'm trying too hard um, just to see if I could translate the words, let alone to pay attention to numbers of sukkim and stuff like that. Rabbi ben Yakar says, So this Lam Natsech, Mizbor David, which we say, really, it should have been said immediately after Shmon Esrei. Why? Why would you think that this would go immediately after Shmon Esrei? Because if you take out your Sefer Tehillim and you see which is chapter 19 of Tehillim, so you will discover that this chapter, Laman Sech, Mizmoli David, is chapter 19. So that means it follows after 18. Usually that's the way math works. So 19 is going to follow after 18. And since uh, Shmon Esri, now it's not really true because Shmon Esri is 19 brachas, so it's 18 and 19 together. But since Shmon Esri is originally 18 brachas, and after uh, uh, after 18, so the, the corresponding thing should be that just like after 18 previous chapters of Tehillim, we now say this is chapter 19. So we should also say this immediately after Shmon Esri. And in fact, one of the opinions of the Gemara says that we uh, that the Shmon Esrei was enacted in accordance with those first eighteen chapters. Okay, now we say, in uh, the Yushami says, Shekol Adam Shi So uh, when a person davens, so So you should say to your friend after davening. I guess I don't know if it's before or after Good Shabbos. But at some point after davening, you should say to your friend, Tishma Tfilasa, your tfilas should be heard. That's the wish that we have for one another. And where does that come from? Who keneged, that sentiment comes from this, this opening line of the, of the capital, where it says, Yancha Hashem biyom tzara, which would translate as, may Hashem answer you on the day of distress. So this is this, this notion, the sentiment that you, you wish a person that their tefillah should be heard. But So why don't we say it after Shemon Esrei? If really the ideal location, the preferred location would be after Shemon Esrei, so why don't we say it then? So he says, Allah, so the reason is, being that, uh, anyways, after Shemon Esrei, we're going to add in the paragraph of Elokai Neshama, Elokai Neshama is just extra supplications, which we do. So once anyways, we're not going to be saying this 
this chapter of Tehillim immediately after Shemana Esrei, meaning after Hamvrecha Samo Yisrael Bashalom. So then, so then it's not going to be a big deal if we go ahead and you throw in an Ashrei also beforehand. So as long as it appears at some point after Shemana Esrei, so everything is still uh, is still good. Okay. So that was point number one. Then point number two, which I wanted to share, is from this is from the sefer called Bukor Hatfilos. So he writes as follows. He's quoting the tour, and he says that the Rambam and Rav Amram. So this is going back to, to the time of the Rambam in the time of the Gaonim. Lo his So in their formulation of the Siddur, they don't have this chapter of Tehillim which is being said. They, it just doesn't appear. Vinogim Lomar Ashrei we go ahead, our minute is to go ahead and say Ashrei, as well as this Lam Yeshua, Because it, it, it uh, has topics which revolve around salvation, which is certainly something which we want. And then he says, the Dark Emosha adds, um, yeah, actually, we don't need to, to, uh, to do that. So that was number one. So even though it doesn't appear by in, in, the, in the versions of the Siddur of some of the Rishonim, nonetheless, uh, Armin Minog is to go ahead and say it because it mentions the idea of Yeshua. And now what's this idea of Yeshua? So now he quotes um, from the uh, Avudraham. The Avudraham says, uh, one of the later Rishonim, but one of the earlier commentators on the Siddur, Says Tam Lama Omri Mizmor Yamcha Hashem Biyom Tzara. So why do we go ahead and say this particular chapter? Because you find in the Medrash Tehillim Tisha Psukim Yesh BeMizmor Hazeh. So here again we're counting up Psukim. So there's nine Psukim in this particular chapter. Keneged Tisha Chadashim Sheisha Mis Abravahem. This corresponds to the nine months of pregnancy. I bet you didn't think about pregnancy while you were reading this before. Uh, and it's going to be relevant for a woman who's pregnant, who is experiencing difficulty delivering that baby. So after nine months of pregnancy, now she's having difficulty delivering the baby. So we say, we say to her, So we don't know uh, uh, what to say. But in all likelihood, your mother also probably had difficulty delivering a baby. So whoever answered your mother and was able to get, get her through it so that she was able to successfully deliver you, so that same entity, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he'll take care of you as well. Don't worry about it. And he says, And similarly by Yaakov we find, so David HaMelech uses, uh, sorry, Yaakov Avinu uses a similar phrase, which means the God who answered me on the day of my distress. So David HaMelech says to Yisrael, the same one who answered Yaakov Avinu when he was in distress, who he's going to answer you. Uh, also, um, at the time, at your moment of distress, and that's what we say. That's why over here, the second phrase is in the Hebrew side. It's Yisagev Hashem Eloke Yaakov, meaning may the name of 
Jacob's God fortify you. In other words, we're specifying Yaakov Avinu specifically, and we don't say Avram and Yitzchak also. How did Yaakov get a shout out in this uh, capital? And the other Avos did not get a shout out. So this is what the Avudram is saying, is that Davin Amalek was borrowing from that phrase, which had already been used by Yaakov Avinu, that Hashem answered him in his distress. And we go ahead and David Amalek says, oh, we already have precedent now for this type of thing, that there is a being who's answering our ancestors when they're in distress. And therefore, Hashem should similarly answer you in your moment of, uh, of distress. Now, the reason, going back to the previous thing, where it says this opening phrase, that Hashem should answer you on your day of distress. So being that, we invoke this idea of distress. So that's why the dark emotion, going back to that earlier one, that's why the dark emotion says, um, uh, right, uh, he says, So even on days where we may skip Tachnun, still we're often going to say. So sometimes there's a discrepancy where we skip Tachnun, but we're still saying like most of the month of, of, of uh, uh, um, Nisan. So we didn't say Tachnun for the whole month, but other than Yantif, we say Lam What's the reason that we don't say Lam Those days where we don't say Lam Rosh Chodesh, Chanukah, Purim, Erev Pesach, Erev Yom Kippur. So on these, we don't say, why? Because Eloha Yamim Hem Yamtif. Because all of these days are considered to be at least a minor Yamtif. And it's inappropriate to say, to, to mention on a day which is a Yamtif, Yancha Hashem B'Yom Tzarad Hashem should answer you on the day of your distress. We don't want to connect the notion of distress with a day which is a Yamtif. And that's why, one of the things that the, the, the one of the guidelines which some people use as far as when an Avel is able to daven for the Amr or not is it depends on whether you say Lam Natsayach. Doesn't necessarily revolve around whether you say Tachnon or not, but Lam Natsayach is much more indicative of whether it's a Yantif, because on a day that we skip Lam Natsayach, that's because that day it's inappropriate to mention distress. And since we don't want to mention distress because it's inconsistent with the Yantif, so that's also the very same reason why we would tell an Avel not to daven on that particular day, because we don't want uh, the Avel, who's in a state of distress, to be uh, representing us on this day, which is, uh, which, which is uh, generally a happy day. Okay, so that is Laminat Seach. And then we move on to Uvalitzion. So Uvalitzion. So we'll start off with this part over here. When we say the Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzavakos, Melochalars, Kevodo, Holy, Holy, Holy is Hashem of hosts, the fullness of all the earth is His glory. So that is what's referred to as Kedusha de Sidra. Do they have that phrase up here? They just call it Seder. Um, yeah, you have it sort of. Yeah, it's in, in English. It's in the English part. Yeah, you, I mean, you have this, this, this phrase over here, which is now highlighted. Oh, yeah, Kedusha de Sidra. So you have it there also. So this is the part. So the Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh is what's referred to as Kedusha de Sidra. 
And the saying of this, this not necessarily the, the entirety of Uvalutzion, because Uvalutzion is actually comprised of various different uh, sections to it, but saying this part of it, this is the most significant part of it, the Kedusha de Sidra. So this is something which the Gemar in Sota, towards the very end of the Mesechta, goes ahead and mentions. And the, the Gemara is talking about how uh, the, uh, the world is going to be in a state of chaos as we get closer to Mashiach. I think we're witnessing that uh, in real time, the, uh, the chaos of the world. And it says, so the Gemara asks, Vala Alma So what exactly gives endurance to the world? If the world is, is devolving into a state of chaos, so what exactly gives um, strength and gives energy for the world to continue to exist? So the Gemara says, the Gemara gives two answers. There's two things which are happening spiritually, which allow, the, which give uh, uh, um, uh, energy to the world to continue to exist, despite everything which is going on. Number one is Akedusha de Sidra. So one is this Kadosh, 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 which we say after Shon Esrei. And then, that when we say Yeheshmei Rabba, when we answer Kaddish, after learning together, specifically Agadita, but after learning together, so those two things are what gives endurance to the world despite the chaos. And then it gives a Pasuk to go ahead and explain this. And now he says, Rashi explains over there, what's the significance of Kedusha de Sidra? So he says, The reason why this was thrown in is that Chazal wanted to make sure, as busy as people are, they wanted to make sure that everybody would learn at least something on a daily basis. And Sha'omer Kriyaso Vitargumo. And that's why we say the Pasuk, Karosh, 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 Hashem, Tzvakos, Melochas, Kavodo. And then we go ahead and we say, like the better translation, but okay. But we go ahead and we have a translation of this. This Aramaic translation is going to be a, a, a commentary, an Aramaic tra- uh, uh, um, uh, a commentary to those uh, those psokim. The Karaza Zevi Amar, the Mekabedin Vidin Amri, Kadish Bishmei Maroma, etc. So that is Vehen Kaoskim B'Torah. And that's equivalent to some Torah study. So at the very least, before we send everybody on our way, and we'll talk about this more when we get to Alenu, but we, before we send everybody on their way into, uh, into the world, so we want to have at least a short learning session, and a short learning session is at least a pasuk and a translation. Okay, so it's not, it's not too demanding. That's something we should uh, be able to, uh, to manage. And being that this Torah session is something which is attended to and participated by everybody, everybody meaning not only Tamiri Chachami, not only Torah scholars, but even Ame Haaretz, even those who are unlearned, the Yeshkan Shtaim, Kedusha Sashem, the Talmud Torah, and we have two things which come together when we do this. Number one is, we're sanctifying God's name, Kadosh, 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 everybody's saying that together. That's why it's essential, even if you fell behind, that, uh, and you may still be an Ashrei, when the Tzibur gets the Kadosh, 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 Everybody's supposed to say it together simultaneously. So you skip ahead, you say it, and then you go back. So that's one element of it, that you want everybody to be sanctifying God's name together. The Talmud Torah. And it's also everybody learning together simultaneously. 
Chavivu. So that's what makes this particular learning something which is so dear and so precious to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it gives endurance and energy to the world to continue to, uh, to exist, as much as it's falling apart. And he says, And the same thing is going to be true with regards to the Yeheshmei Rabbah, the Kaddish, which is said after learning. Shardarshan Dorish Barabim Bukhosh Shabbos, that the uh, the Rav or the Darshan would get up every Shabbos and give a night, hopefully a nice drasha. Hayunogin came. So they had the minog to go ahead and say Kaddish afterwards. The Sham Hayukola Amnik Batsim. And imagine that everybody was in attendance in the community. Everybody went to Shul to hear the Rav's drasha. These are uh, obviously real ancient times. The Shmoa because nobody had an excuse why they weren't going to that shear. So Sunday through Friday, you had plenty of people who had excuses why they weren't attending this year, because they're too busy. They've got to run out, and they got to, uh, they've, got a, they've got a farm, and they've got to do whatever they're going to do. Shabbos, nobody's working, so nobody has an excuse, and everybody excitedly runs to the Rav's Drasha. And there also, since you have a large crowd uh, studying Torah together, Veishkan Torah, Vekidosh Hashem, so you have that same combination of the community as a whole studying Torah, as well as being the Kaddish Hashem as well, sanctifying Hashem's name. So that's why saying this particular, uh, this uh, section of what we call Uval that's what makes it such a valuable thing because it has these elements and actually gives incredible endurance to the world. So that is one element of the, uh, of the significance of Uval And then um, the Shibol HaLeket, so one of the Rishonim, he has a completely different, I'm not saying that he disagrees with what we said, but he has a completely different explanation as to why we have Kadosh, 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 Hashem, Tzavakos, Malochal, Aras, Kivodo, as well as Baruch, Kivod, Hashem, Mim, Komo, as well as this section. Now, these two lines hopefully sound familiar to you because they're part of the regular Kedusha. Kedusha, which we say in Chazar Sashatz, so whether it's a Shabbos, whether it's a Yontif or a weekday, Shabbos Mincha, doesn't make a difference. We're always going to say, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. We always have that line. And we always have line, Baruch Kvar Hashem Yim Komo. And then we actually also have a form of it, Hashem Yimloch Leolam We say, Yimloch Hashem Leolokatsil, Dovador Haluluka, but also about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malthus. So why, after davening, when davening is just about over, why are we, in a sense, repeating Kedusha? We already said Kedusha and Chazar Sashatz. So why do we have to go ahead and repeat Kedusha? So the Shibali HaLeket explains. He says that there was a, a period of time, that they weren't able to say Kedusha in Chazar Sashatz. Why were they not able to say Kedusha in Chazar Sashatz? Neha Orvin, because of our enemies, who sent spies into the shul and were adamant that the Jews should not say it. Because they specifically did not want the Jews. I don't know why. It doesn't say why they were so opposed to this particular prayer, but they did not want them under any circumstances to say Kedusha. They didn't want this Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh to be declared. Then, so the, the, uh, these uh, non-Jews, so these anti-Semites, they would sit in shul until after, I guess, well, until Tachna was over. So when Tachna was over, they said, okay, they missed, uh, clearly, we heard Kaddish. If we heard Kaddish, it must be that they're not going to say Kedusha anymore, and now we could go get a coffee break, and we could go home, we, our, our job is done here. And therefore, after davening, when the enemies would leave, 
So as a means of making up the missing Kedusha, which they couldn't say in Chazar Sashas, they threw it into a valid seal and they saw half the tzibur's already wrapping up their tefillin. They said, oh, davening must be over because they're all wrapping up their tefillin already. And therefore, they, uh, they, they left. The Hainu Shalosh Kedusha. And then, as we said, we translated into Aramaic, because this is something which is so dear to us. Um, Kilomar, he says, uh, and, we, and it turns out, sorry, and it turns out that we end up saying Kedusha three times over the course of Shachris. So one says in Birchas Kriyashma, we say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Number two is Chazar Sashatz as part of Kedusha. And then number three in Uval Etzion. And we say, and even though nowadays, so we, there's no reason to say Kadosh Kadosh in Uval because we actually do say it in Chazar Sashatz nowadays. So once we're saying it in Chazar Sashatz, so why do we need to repeat it? No. Lo Batlu Kedusha de Sidra. Once they went ahead and they had already incorporated that into Davening, so nobody wanted to accept upon themselves the responsibility to go ahead and start cutting out sections of Davening. So they just left it there. This is somewhat similar to what they say regarding the reading of Haftorah. Haftorah was also, there was an era when they didn't allow them to do Kriya Torah. So since they wouldn't allow Kriya Torah, so the next best thing was to take out a Nevi'im, Sifre Nevi'im, and read something from the Nevi'im, which is a reminder of the theme of the Parsha. And then once that decree was nullified and they could go back to Kriya Satora, they said, you know what? People are enjoying Haftorahs anyways. It's short. It's to the point that tells good Tanakh stories. It gives people an opportunity to say more shiurim about something related to the Parsha. So they just left that enactment in place, even though the original necessity for the enactment is no longer, is no longer relevant. Kasavri, because they were afraid, and on top of that, they're afraid, maybe we, the Jewish people, will sin again, and there'll be another decree against us to not be able to say, Kedusha in Chazar Sashatz, so it'll be harder to go ahead and reinstate something, so you might as well just leave it in place, and that way, in the event, that we're ever not allowed to say Kedusha again, so we will already be, uh, be covered. Um... Right. And then he says the fascinating thing. He says, so we say these lines, the Kadosh Kadosh, Hashem And then he says, we end up with, we get around to um, we say this line over here, one of my favorite songs from uh, from Simchas Torah, but it says, Blessed is he our God who created us on his glory. And he set us apart from those who go astray. Those who go astray, that's referring to those people who had just walked out of shul and didn't allow us to say Kedusha. So we're now giving thanks the fact that we're not part of that crowd. So that's what this is. After we finally get around to saying Kedusha, so then we emphasize the fact that we were created the Chavodo to give honor to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and separated from them and they have no, uh, no shaychas, no relationship to what we are, uh, what we are engaged in. So that is what the Shibole Haleket writes, as far as that is concerned. And then, can I, can I ask you a question? Yes, please. Uh, when davening, when the uh, Shliachsi were davens, uh, some of them say Yimlok uh, aloud. Some don't. Which is, you know, they're all bold. So, 
Right. So te- te- story technically, there. it doesn't have to. The yimloch does not have to be said out loud. The first two are uh, the first two. Yes. The, the the third one not. So people assume that it's in bold. Some printer put it in bold, so everybody assumes that it must be that the bold indicates they have to say it loudly. Okay. Now he says. Um, uh, okay. So now we have. Uh, now I'll give you a third reason as to why we have Kedusha in Uvalitzion. And this is coming also from the Avudram. So he says, so he goes back to the beginning of Uvalitzion. He starts off over there. And he says, why do we mention at the outset Uvalitzion Goel, that the Redeemer should come to Zion? Why, why, why does it feel open with that? So he says, So the reason why every day after davening, we mention the, this hope, that the Redeemer will come to Tzion, is Kedei Lasso Zechel because we like to do things to remind ourselves of the fact that we're not in Eretz Yisrael, we're not in the position or in the place where we are supposed to be. like the Pasuk says, Imlo Allah al that anytime I'm experiencing a state of joy, I always have to put Yerushalayim at the top of that. To always have that reminder, the fact that as good as things are may, may seem in the moment, my happiness and my joy can never be complete as long as we don't have a Beis Amitash, we don't have the Jewish people living in Eretz Yisrael and all of that. So we open up the tefillah reminding ourselves of the fact that, that we are deficient uh, by missing our, the, the opportunity to live in Zion. And then he says, again, this is what I meant when I said reason number three for why we say Kedush over here. We say the final of the three Kedushas, which we do in davening. Why? For none of these you know, reasons of, of uh, enemies who made decrees against us, and nothing having to do with this beautiful idea of everybody learning together as a tzib, or at least a pasuk in a translation. None of that holy uh, thought whatsoever. It's because some people came late to shul. And they missed the first two times we said Kedusha. So we don't want them to go the whole day with having missed Kedusha just because they came late. So if they came late, so they may not have had a chance to hear Kedusha in Tfila. And therefore, they went ahead and they threw in a third time, a makeup to the makeup to uh, Kedusha. Just in case you came really, really late to davening, you'll still be able to hop around a Kedusha. Okay. Okay. And he says, they went ahead and they threw in the translation, doesn't really talk about why. And then it says, again, this is one of those things which I just never count, so I never paid attention to. But he says, meaning in the whole, the totality of Uvalitzion, Yesh Yudches Hazkaros. So God's name is mentioned 18 times. Try and count it tomorrow as you're going through. Kenegit Shmanasri, which is also something we've talked about this before in Davening, is that we have certain patterns which we like to repeat. And one of those patterns is the mentioning of God's name or the, the theme of 18. So we hear also that you know, whoever went ahead and composed these sukkim uh, to be said at this particular juncture, so they did so trying to have a parallel or something which is corresponding to Shmanasri itself. So that's why God's name is going to be mentioned here. Now he says, uh, now, now with his explanation, so that what he's now going to address, what the Avudram now addresses, 
only works out according to his explanation. It doesn't work out according to the other two explanations having to do with the non-Jews not allowing us to, uh, to do so, or that holy moment of the Tzibur studying Torah together. So, but now he asks, So what's noticeably absent is on Shabbos, in davening, in, in the morning davening, we don't have Uval We don't get to that till Mincha time on, on Shabbos. So, but it, why not go ahead and include Uval? We do say Ashrei again. Lam we don't because it's like a Yantif. Shabbos is like a Yantif. And you wouldn't say Lam anyways. But Ashrei we say after Haftorah, before we get to Musaf. So why don't we have Ashrei Uval then put the Torah away and then do everything. Who decided, who made that executive decision they were going to leave Uval out of Shabbos Shachris? So according to Avudram, it says it makes perfect sense. Being that, the whole reason we say Sunday through Friday is in order to accommodate those latecomers who may have missed the first two Kedushas. Like he explains. He says on Shabbos, everybody shows up on time. You start at nine o'clock. Who can't show up at nine o'clock for a regular uh, Shachris on a Shabbos morning? So being that everybody shows up on time, as soon as we get to davening, therefore, so they, everybody already chapped around Kedusha, either in Birchos Kriyashma or in Chazar Sashas Shachris. Certainly nobody comes later than Chazar Sashas Shachris, and therefore we don't need to throw in Uval Etzion on Shabbos morning, because the whole point is just for the latecomers, and nobody's coming that late anyways, so we are good to go. So as I said, that answer works perfectly for the, uh, according to Avud Drum's explanation. The question would still be true according to uh, according to the Gemara and Sota, and according to the Shibole Haleket, why didn't they incorporate Uval Etzion Shabbos morning? Okay, that is their uh, that is that uh, that question which uh, would remain according to those uh, according to those two explanations. Now, one last thing I want to mention to you with regards to Uvalitzio. So he says, um, and this is again, this is going to have to do with the, uh, the, the from the world of prayer, his notion of four different spiritual worlds that exist and that the purpose of davening is to sort of take you through those four spiritual worlds. So he says as follows. He says, the core of this prayer, referring to Valetzion, is the Kedusha, and it's Aramaic translation. Okay. It gave to the entire piece the name Kedusha de Sidra. It is the third time the Kedusha is repeated in the Shachas. The first recital in the Birchas Yotzer, that's Birchas Krishma, led us into the lofty sphere of the Olam HaYetzirah, so that's now taking us into another dimension called the Olam HaYetzirah to listen into the chorus of the angels. So when we're in Birchos Kriyashma, what we're doing is we're not necessarily saying the Kedusha ourselves, we're commenting or we're quoting what the angels do. So we go into their domain and we're repeating what we hear them say. So, but it's really the Malachim. That's the Kulam HaKablim Zemizah uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, the terminology, but all those things which they say, so so all of that is the angels. Then the second Kedusha is spoken at the very climax of prayer in the motionless silence of the tefillah. So this is when we have now ascended to the highest levels, 
So that's when we are actually saying it ourselves. So that's us. The Kedusha, the Sidra, the third one, which we say, part of Uvalutzion, finally is pronounced in the concluding part of the Shachris, which, as pointed out, leads us back into the regions of normal everyday life. So as we talked about, this is now on the descent. Uh, up to Shimon Esrei was the high point, was the climax of the spiritual experience. And then we're not just going to go from that high point where we're connecting to God intimately and just jump back into the world. It has to be a, an easy descent. Otherwise, you'll crash and burn. So we say the third time, as we're now transitioning ourselves to be able to leave Shul and to be able to go out into, into the work. And he says, according to Hashem Shalafal Hirsch, the name Kedusha de Sidra, itself indicates that its purpose is to take us back into, now this is focusing on the word Seder. Seder, as we know, from the Pesach, Seder means order. So what's going on, the Kedusha of the Sidra means that it's this the sanctity, uh, uh, taking us back into the normal order of things. It calls for a Kedusha, a sanctification of God, in the very midst of a life of action, of working and suffering. So that's why Kedusha de Sidra has that particular name, because it's that third Kedusha which we're taking with us as we're now almost literally walking out of shul and going about our daily business, whatever our, our, our daily activities are going to be. But that's what the Kedusha de Sidra is supposed to be, is that once again, that the goal is not to live in the heavens and remain in the heavens, remain in that close, intimate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. the whole purpose of reaching that is so that when you go back down, when you descend back into this physical universe and you engage in all of the physical things of the universe, you're taking some of that Kedusha with you. So it's not, so you're, we're not trying to uh, separate and uh, in, in, uh, disassociate from the physical world. What we're trying to do is we're trying to take this by entering into the spiritual realm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to go into the spiritual realm so we can bring that back down with us into this world. And that way we'll be accompanied by the Kedusha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu throughout the, uh, the rest of the day. So that's what Shem Shalafal Hirsch uh, finds to be the significance of saying, uh, of, uh, of saying uh, the Kedusha Desidra. Okay. Give up. Now we move on to Aleinu. So we're we're we're, we're going to obviously Ashkenazi uh, Shul. So we're going to follow the order at which uh, we say things. Not necessarily that in all shuls that they say things, and sometimes it gets a little bit challenging to find where uh, things are discussed, specifically because uh, depending on who the author is, sometimes they say Shir Shalyom before they get to Aleinu, and they have a whole bunch of other things. If you Davinus of Sfarad, or if you ever go to uh, a real uh, Sfardi Shul, a Yiduta Mizrach type of Shul. Okay, but what we have over here is, is the first thing is from the Kolbo. So the Kolbo writes that... Um, Actually, I'll take you back. So Rabbi Yudah Bar-Yakar and Avudram, so they both have commentaries on Aleinu. This is an interesting thing. They both have commentaries on Aleinu, but their commentary Aleinu doesn't appear in their commentary to daily davening. Their commentary to Aleinu appears specifically on Rosh Hashanah Mosef. And they don't mention Aleinu Bechlal ever being said during the week on a Shabbos, anything other than on Rosh Hashanah Mosef. So their commentary, so they have a lengthy commentary as to what the significance of that is in the context of Rosh Hashanah Musaf, but they have no comment to say about why we would say it at the end of Davening on a daily basis, because apparently they didn't. 
So this is something which is interesting that in the time of the Rishonim already, you still have this discrepancy about whether whether Aleinu was being said on a regular basis or Aleinu was one of those prayers which is really reserved for uh, uh, the uh, a very unique circumstance. It was only said twice a year and only said twice a year specifically for uh, on Rosh Hashanah. Okay. But others say that we maintain that we do say it on a daily basis. So one of the first ones to mention that is the Kolbo. And he writes, So after all the tefillos, we'll just say for simplicity, for simplicity, so we say Aleinu. And the Pirkei Lezer Omer, and we don't have this particular line in the Pirkei Dereb Lezer, but it says, and this is going to get back to something that uh, you brought up uh, months ago, uh, Ellen. They says there's tremendous praise which is contained in Aleinu. And therefore, this is one of the exceptional prayers which is said while standing. So again, the normal thing is we always, we always sit for davening, except for all the times that we stand. But so far we've had is that when you're, when you're saying brachos, so that's sort of like a direct communication with God, you're going to stand. If you're doing something which is related to korbanos, like mizmor lesoda, that's related to korbanos, so you may stand for that uh, as well. So now the kolbo says that aleinu is such a great praise of God that it actually warrants standing up for aleinu. And then he says, v'timsa aleinu, and if you go ahead and you take the word aleinu, ayin lamed yud nun vav, so I should be able to do that quickly, that should be 166, ola begimeatria, that's the same numerical value of uma uma. Uh, 70 and 80, 150, 160, right, which is also going to be 166. So you see within the word Aleinu itself is the word Uma, Uma to be standing. And then he says, And he says he has a tradition that it was Yoshua himself, Yoshua, the Talmud of, uh, of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, who went ahead and he was the one who composed Aleinu. The Chasim and he went ahead and he, like they were wont to do back then, he embedded his name into the prayer. But if you look for it, you probably won't find it because you don't know exactly where to look for it. He did such a good job. Some of the Rishon may actually explain that, it, that even though he wanted to make sure that his name was included, that the authorship should be, uh, should be uh, something which people could find, he hid it very well because of his humility. So where do you find the name Yehoshua? So first of all, he didn't even include the Yud of Yehoshua. He just put in Hoshua, which is the name that his parents gave him, not the name that Moshe Rabbeinu gave him. But where do we find it? So the name is actually spelled backwards. So you have the ayin of the word Aleinu. You have Shalosam. You have the Shin of Shalosam, let's say. And then you have the Vav of the Anu Benachnu Karim. Uh, we have Anu Vanachnu Karim, and then you have Hu Elokeinu Einod. So you have Hey is Hu, you have Vanachnu is Vav, you have Shin Shehem Mishtachavim, and you have the Ayin of Aleinu. So backwards through these lines, so you can see Hoshua's name sort of hinted to over over there. Okay, so that is what the uh, what the Kolbo uh, goes at, and he writes. And um, 
drop the tail. It seems very random. His uh, name there? The name thing. That's yeah. really, I mean, it looks like you could do that in almost any paragraph of anything. Right. So you'd, you'd have to. are very like, common like, letters. Yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to do one of those mathematical searches of the thing, like with the codes, and see how often these things uh, pop up. Now, the, um, the, uh, the Bach in Simon Kuflam and Gimel. So he addresses the, uh, the question of why we say Aleinu at the end of each prayer. And he says something which is similar to what we just heard from Rav Shamshan Fal Hirsch, quoted in the World of Prayer. And he says, Hatam, he says, the reason why it was incorporated into our daily davening, the end of our daily davening, it's in order to drive into our hearts, before we go home, because after davening, everybody's going home. So before we go home, we wanted to have this one final reminder, Yichud Shamayim that the unity of God's heaven, God's malchus, and it should strengthen our, in our hearts this belief, that this will get rid of the, how do they translate the gelulim in to uh, banishing idolatry from the earth. And and the false gods will be utterly exterminated. In order to, uh, uh, to perfect the world as the kingdom of Shakai. Because as everybody's leaving Shul, many of them are now going to interact with idolaters, not a bunch of idolaters pejoratively, but literally a bunch of idolaters. With their gods. And if they're, they're going to have success, and we want to make sure that before we do so, that we make one final statement of our disbelief of everything having to do with idolatry. So as we're about to leave the base medrash, and we're about to go out into the world, we want to emphasize and remind ourselves that ultimately God is going to be the source of our success. And even if we see idolaters who seemingly are, uh, are experiencing success in what they're doing, so that has no bearing on us, and we shouldn't allow that to... Uh, to negatively uh, to detract it all from our uh, our belief, and one last thing that I want to uh, to share, he says, um, and this is a, it's an interesting thing that I was uh, one time I was in Muncie and I davened at a uh, where when my uh, my sister and brother in law were remodeling their house they were staying at a different house and they lived around the corner from a real Yekish shul. So uh, I, I, I wanted to dive Minchan time. So I went to the Yekesh Shul rather than the Hasidish place, which is, uh, which is nearby. And you get to the end of Mincha time, and as everybody here would expect, the expectation was that they're going to go ahead and they're going to say Aleinu. But they don't. They said, they, they said um, Shvon Esrei, Chazar Sashat, Tachnun, Kaddish, and then they went right into Marv. And they skipped Aleinu and there was no Kaddish Yasem. 
So the Lukute Marich writes, he says, So some people have this practice that they do not say Aleinu after Mincha. Why? As we just said, there's a whole purpose of saying Aleinu is a reminder of where we are oriented and where we are anchored before we go home. And therefore, after Shachris, everybody's going home. So you need that reminder right before you get in the car. After Mariv, everybody's going home. And you need that reminder right before you get in the car to go home. But after Mincha, people don't go home after Mincha. They daven Mariv before they go home. And therefore, there's no reason to go ahead and say Aleinu, because the only purpose of Aleinu is to give us that final thought as we're leaving shul and going home. And that's only relevant after Shachris time and after Mariv time. That's not relevant at all as far as Mincha. And then he says, um, Yeah, and then he, I'll tell you this outside. Then he brings another explanation from the Seder Hayom, who says that the only time we're going to say Aleinu, because Aleinu has a lot to do with sanctifying God's name, the, the unity of Hashem's name. Um, that's a, really a lot of that's over here. Uh, in the, the Kabu Kulam, it's Omachu Shomayim. Omachu Shomayim is something, it's Omachu Secha. So this is something which is very much associated with Kriyashma. So he may say, the Seder Yom says that Aleinu is used to reinforce the declarations and the principles which were already said in Kriyashma. So Aleinu is sort of like a follow-up to what we say in Kriyashma. And since Kriyashma only appears in Shachris and Marv, it doesn't appear in Mincha. So therefore, it makes sense that you're only going to go ahead and reinforce those things which are already said by, uh, by Kriyashma. So then they get uh, we have that Chazar, we have that review of it when we say Aleinu. But in those tefillahs, like, uh, like uh, Mincha, where you don't have a Kriyashma, so there's no reason to go ahead and say Aleinu, it's, uh, it would be misplaced. Ultimately, the, uh, the more common minog is that we say it after Mincha as well, but that is the, uh, the source for that, which gives us also a little bit further insight in terms of the intent of this, uh, this prayer. Okay, so we'll hold it over here. And next week...